All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, March 22nd here. It looks like we have a big 10-game NBA slate coming at you tonight, as well as a uh, two-game hockey slate, so not a lot going on in the hockey streets. But golf does tee off tomorrow. For those of you who did not catch the earlier announcement, uh, we are not supporting the uh, match play event, but we will have Sims for the, uh, ooh, what is it called? Uh, let me jog my memory here. Uh, Corrales. Uh, Corrales Punta Cana. We will have Sims for that event. So uh, still plenty of golf DFS lineups to build ahead of tee off tomorrow. But for those of you who are new here, Welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel, in our Discord server, or live in the YouTube chat. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Come, hang out, get your questions answered. Uh, and if you are just discovering this show, we also have a link to a seven-day no-strings-attached free trial. Come on in and check us out. Great time of the year to be playing DFS. But that being said, going to get SaberSim pulled up here. Uh, we do have a couple questions to get us going, but we could always use more questions. So uh, if anybody has anything on their mind that they want to ask, uh, get it in the chat, and we will get to all the questions before the end of the show. But it looks like our first question came in uh this morning from skyology here and it looks like it's like a, it's a two-parter so question says in mlb is there a certain way is there a way of making it so that certain players will only appear in lineups if they are part of a stack i don't want to require that for every player to be in a stack i.e five three but i somehow want to encode that certain players should not appear as one-offs and then there's a second part of the question here and this part says my assumption is that there are certain players that can be expected to do well as part of a stack if it goes off because they get more at bats more chances for runs and rbis etc but that but they are um, unlikely to hit a home run or go off on their own feel free to check me on this if the data does not support my thinking uh no so i think this is a good question uh this is like one of the reasons that we wanted to release lineup rules uh, to, to allow for some of this nuance here. So let's go over to MLB. Uh, we're getting pretty close here. We should have some MLB content out within the next week here or uh, look just, just ahead of opening day in general should have some content out, but let's just go back to last season here. And I'm going to show you guys, uh, there is a way to do this skyology. And I do want to show everybody how to do that and just uh, give some, like general thoughts on this principle overall. So this is just a random slate from last season here. Uh, the way you do this is you would do a group rule and then you would do an if then rule. So then what you would say is if at least one primary player, you can do this two ways. I'm going to show you manual first and we'll do automatic second. Uh, automatic is where we're going to use some of the stats based on some of the things that you're talking about. But basically if there was a specific player on this slate, uh, that I only wanted to use in a stack. Let's say maybe uh, James McCann here from the Mets. So if James McCann is in the lineup, then use at least two other players and then on the same team, basically. And then I'm going to check in all of the players on this team here. 
So then at least I know if James McCann is in the lineup, at least I have a three stack of him. So it's not just like a one-off player. So, so that is how you would do it as a manual rule. If you're looking to do it for just like one specific player, but if you have like general ideas about uh, statistics, I think a popular one is uh, from what I remember is, um, is catchers, uh, you know, using like a catcher, uh, as not not as a one-off right and the way that we talked about this last year was an if then rule so it's a group you're going to go to automatic you're gonna do an if at least one and then what you're going to do is uh put in a stat requirement here so usually we would use home run home runs here and then i'm, I'm trying to find the scroll bar here which i'm having trouble finding i think because we're streaming uh but you would you would use like a uh, stat requirement, right? Hold on, let me put it this way. Okay, so so you would look for home runs. So so the, I'm trying to jog my memory a little bit here. So basically, the theory was that you know you don't want to use somebody who has like a low probability of hitting a home run as a one off because a lot of times in baseball, uh, the way players get there on their own without being in a stack is via home runs, right? You get that one hit, you get 14 points. That That is your entire projection and more for the day. So that is all the value you need out of like one individual player. But if a player is uh, has a low home run rate, they're going to need more bats. They're going to need players on so they can drive players in to get RBIs. They're going to need to get on and other players are going to need to hit them in so they can get runs scored. That That is how the scoring in baseball works. So the theory was that... Uh, one rule we use as an example was don't use a player who has less than a 10% chance of hitting a home run unless they're in a stack. So the rule would look like this. It'd be a group rule, be an automatic rule. And then it would say if at least one, and then you would just make sure pitch pitcher is unchecked here, but then you would, uh, you would leave all the positions checked and then you would do this on a team level. So if at least one position player who's, home run rate home runs are less than 0.1 then use at least two or or however many you want here then use at least two or three or four whatever on the same team and then that would essentially go and find all the players who have that low of a, of a value so like this is for the Kansas City Royals here so what it did is it went and got all four players in the Royals lineup, whose home run rate was less than 10%. And then said, if at least one of these guys, then use one of the, uh, then use at least two of the other players in the lineup. So that is how you would do that. I think that rule is uh, a worthwhile, worthwhile rule. I think it makes sense. And, um, you know, with the addition of the lineup rules, something that came out like really late in the baseball season last year, I think it is a uh, fine, you know, one of like a, a go-to rule, right? We talk about, some some basic rules, some uh, basic heuristics that that are fine, that are uh, sound logic. You know, like for basketball, it's usually use no more than three players from a team, with exceptions based on value. But in general, that rule is fine. I think that this is a fine baseline rule. If anybody comes on this show and is like, "Hey, you know, what's like a good baseline rule for me to have for MLB?" I think this is a great one. I think this is a really strong starting point in general here. But I'm just going to get rid of these uh, so they don't mess up any further builds I run. But really good question there. Uh, glad to be talking some MLB. Looking forward to another strong season here. And then uh, just wanted to cover this one from Mike here. 
really quickly. Mike said, hey, Andrew, I feel like an idiot asking this question, but can you show again how to late swap? I don't think I'm doing it right when it comes to downloading part, to, comes to the downloading part when I re-enter the lineups on DraftKings things. So, Mike, there's no stupid questions here. Uh, I did point Mike to a video that I did within like the last month here. I think this video uh, went a little under the radar here, but I did want to point it out for everybody. So if you go over to our YouTube channel and you go over to Mastering Saber Sims Tools and Optimizer, this is basically a lot of like how-to videos, how to use the app, how to enter contests and get everything to uh, sync up properly. I did this video about a month ago, the best way to enter lineups into your DFS profit plan contests. So I basically, I take a slate, I break up my contests into diversifiers and elevators. I show you guys how I build for them, how I fill those lineups, how I download all of them, and then I upload it to the site. And then I go back and then do a segment on late swapping for those two separate uh, contest groups, basically that I've created. So I, I pointed Mike to this video. If anybody's having issues or running into issues late swapping, they think it's like user error. They want a refresher. I would watch this the best way to enter lineups into your DFS profit plan contest at about the six minute and 45 second mark is where I switch over to late swap. So it's about a 10 minute video total. If you just want to watch the late swap portion of it, about like three and a half minutes. So I would give that a watch. And then uh looks like Mike is here. So so Mike said, thanks, I'll give it a watch. Yeah, check that out and uh, let me know. Just hard to late swap like uh, this, this time in the day, really. But uh, going to keep rolling here. Next question was from AJ. And going to get this one in the chat. Going to get Saberson pulled back up here. And then we'll get this question answered. All right. AJ said, good morning. Say you have one dummy lineup loaded into all your 20 max entries. How do you then swap optimize all 20 entries into unique lineups post-lock? The generator would only swap the one lineup on both Fandle and DK. Is this because it is trying to optimize only based off projections instead of range of outcomes slash randomness? So good question. I do love the word uh, swaptimize here. I, I might have to steal that one, uh, you know, do some swaptimization post post lock. So I, I do like that one, getting a kick out of that. But so, so basically the way the late swap builder works is uh, what it does is when you import a I'm assuming you had a dummy lineup here and you miss lock and, and you want to uh, go back and rebuild all your lineups and get unique lineups across the 20. So uh, th that that's, that's the approach I'm going to take from here. What you would have, what, what the builder does is it recognizes how many unique lineups you have in your entries file that you upload to SaberSim. And then it rebuilds that number of unique lineups multiple times. So if you, uh, upload a file to SaberSim and you have 10 unique lineups. We are going to then go and rebuild those 10 unique lineups. You know, if you're building a pool of 500, it'd be like 50 times. We'd rebuild each lineup 50 times to give you some optionality to allow for many uniques and exposure adjustments and, and whatever other adjustments you want to make, right? So, so the builder is just recognizing how many unique lineups you have. If you have a dummy lineup in 20 entries, then you technically only have one unique lineup. The way to solve this is to go on, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever site you're playing on and then go through like the contest that that lineup is in and then just swap one player out quickly. It doesn't matter who, it, it, it frankly doesn't matter. All you're doing is you're making each lineup in each contest 
different from all the other contests. And then once you swap out one player from each lineup, re-upload it to SaberSim. SaberSim will recognize that all the lineups are different. And then now when you go to late swap, we will late swap 20 different unique lineups for you. So unfortunately, uh, you know, no way to do that within the app. You do got to do a little manual work in like the contest app, whatever one you're using. Uh, but I would always recommend, you know, if you are using a dummy lineup, uh, it doesn't really even matter what point in the day. I think that, you know, a good rule of thumb is like, you know, you, you enter your file, you enter your contest, uh, just come in here, load up, load up your CSV, build some lineups, you know, unique lineups, and then just throw it in and then let that be your placeholder. Now you at least have unique lineups as a placeholder. I like to do something where, you know, I sit down, I do my process, uh, uh, I'm on the West Coast, so lock is like 4 o'clock for me. Uh, at about 3.30, I just run a build with the latest and greatest news, and I just uh, fill fill my CSV, and I put that in. Uh, you know, worst case, you know, my internet goes out. Uh, I don't know. So I, I miss lock for whatever reason. At least I have a set of lineups that was built within the last 30 minutes, which probably, you know, fingers crossed, at least has most of the relevant news for the games at lock. And then if I need to go back and lead swap, I'll do that. But it, I, it does not take more than 30 seconds to run a build hit, fill, uh, download and upload your lineups. Like I I'm serious. Like I've, I've been up against crunch time and you could you could do everything in 30 seconds. Uh, you know, not even, not even worried about it. You know, no, no need for exposure adjustments, mini nicks, anything like that. It's just a placeholder with latest and greatest information. So I would always recommend doing that in general. All right, moving on here. A uh, question from JC479. All right, uh, JC said, Hi, Andrew, can you choose to late swap one player when that player has not been marked out? So let's say that a player you have exposure to has a significant projection change. So you want to see if that if there is a better player but only on the lineups that include that player. Okay. This is an interesting question. So we have stuff that's like really close to this, but I don't think we have anything exactly like this. So uh, what I'm going to have to do here is I'm going to have to upload an entries file so we can, we can mess around with this. So let me just go and enter one of like the free contests here uh for for today's slate and then that way we can have a csv uh to mess around with so i just entered one of like the free contest gonna come download my entries file upload that now we have an entries file to work with so we can uh mimic a late swap here so then basically what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna fill that lineup here so i'm gonna hit start this is like how i would do a placeholder right like literally just come in hit start generate 500 lineups you don't probably need any more than that uh lineups are gonna build here we are gonna just make our two projection adjustments and then we are just going to hit fill fill download and then i would upload that right boom less than 30 seconds you have a placeholder uh so so then let's say you know slate locks uh we go into late swap right so what you can do in late swap is okay yes i want to hit yes so you can use this only swap lineups containing out players uh 
What this does is that if you have an out player, it will recognize that and then leave, you know, let's say you have a hundred lineups, you have an out player in 10 of them. It will only swap those 10 lineups and then leave all other lineups the same. I think that is a good use. Uh, the best use case for that option is probably baseball where, you know, one player being swapped out on one team doesn't really have a huge effect on the entire slate. Uh, in basketball, I would never use that. I would always swap all of my lineups just because one value play can just change the entire dynamics of the slate. Uh, but but this is one way to swap out for a specific player, right? So, but but they have to be out, right? So like, let's say that uh, I don't know, you have you're getting a lot of Kevin Love. He is expected to start. Uh, he ends up coming off the bench. He gets like a significant projection adjustment to like 15 here. Uh, what you could do is you could change Kevin Love to zero. And I think it's because the slate hasn't locked. But basically, if you change somebody's projection to zero after the slate locks, the red lightning bolt should come on. I'm almost positive of that. I, I am not 100%, but I believe that is true. And then if if that's true, uh, or another thing that you could do is you could uncheck them. And then I I so so try the zero projection adjustment. See if the red lightning bolt comes on. If that does not come on, uncheck the player. And then I think the red lightning bolt should come on. What this allows you to do is uh, this will basically the builder is recognizing that you have an out player in your lineup. And then once it recognizes that Kevin Love is out, then you could come in and use the late swap. Uh, only swap containing out players. I know this isn't exactly what you wanted, but uh, but I, I'm just trying to show you guys like one way to only late swap lineups with a specific player, right? Uh, another thing that you could do is you could use quick swap and then you could use uh, a specific player replacement. So then what I would say is, you know, replace Kevin Love. Well, he's not in my lineup, but I'm going to use somebody else. So apparently Kyle Lowry's in my lineup. So replace Kyle Lowry with the best available. And then what it's going to do is that it is going to go and find all the lineups that have Kyle Lowry and then replace him with the next best available player based on projection. So that will get him out of your lineups um, as well without affecting all the other lineups in the pool. But there's not a way to say like, hey, I only want to late swap lineups with this specific player, unfortunately. But you know, I, I, I do want to like caution here. Uh, we, we talk about this concept a lot of not getting married, like, or, or, you know, get not, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to use this metaphor, like not getting married to players that whose games have not started yet. So at lock tonight, what game is tonight? Uh, Denver, Washington is the only game that starts at lock, right? So we run a build. Uh, this is our lineup that we're using here. So at lock, the only player that is going to start is Nikola Jokic here. None of these other players start. So like what I want to like stress to you guys is, you know, the rest of your lineup is basically blank. Like you don't even look at Kyle Lowry. Don't even look at Jalen Green. Don't even look at John Contrar. Like they are not in your lineup until that lineup locks. So, you know, if, if you run a late swap for, you know, 20 lineups, and this one lineup changes, like I don't even don't even sweat it. Like you're you're still using the Sims the same exact way that you used them pre-lock. 
And, you know, you can come in here and then still make any minimax exposure adjustments the same way you did pre-lock, right? So I wouldn't get too worried about it. Uh, you know, all you're doing is taking advantage of the latest and greatest sims and information and uh, ultimately, you know, squeaking out any edge that you can get by by relate swapping. So, uh, you know, let's say that uh, I have two lineups, one player gets a significant projection adjustment that's like negative four and I only want to late swap one, like just late swap both and, and see what they come out with and then see if you're happy with them. And then if you're not happy with them, the great thing is that now you have a pool of lineups that you can go and find, um, find different exposures, find different stack types, stack uh, team stacks, etc. So I, I would always probably just swap them together and then just see what came out on the other side and then kind of let the exposures tell me like, Hey, when I ran it pre-lock, I was getting, you know, 40% Kevin Love, and then now I'm getting uh, 20% after lock. And then you can kind of see uh, where your exposures go from there. But that that is the best advice I can give on that specific question. All right. Kay Mason here has a question. Said, just noticed you can adjust the team totals for games. Does this impact the Sims? Uh, yes. So, uh I think adjusting team totals is a viable option. Uh, so basically what is happening? So I want to like discuss the difference between adjusting an individual player and then adjusting uh, like a, a player's point projection as opposed to a game's team total point projections here. So when you adjust, you know, Nikola Jokic from 59.8 to 65, about a five point increase here, what we are going to do is we are going to take his entire range of outcomes in the Sims and then shift the entire distribution up by five points. So when he scores 80, now he scores 85. When he scores 40, he now scores 45. So we are increasing the floor and then also, you know, increasing his ceiling because you are telling us that uh, you think he is a better play on average than we are projecting him at. So that only affects Nikola Jokic on a player level. When you adjust team totals, we'll stick with Denver here. So, you know, I'm going to move Denver from 117 to 127 here. Give them a 10-point increase, and then I'm going to hit apply. What we are going to do is, you know, think about think about all the game sims on this spectrum, right? They're all on this uh, line here. What we are going to do is we are going to start disregarding, uh, excluding sims where Denver scores low to try and get their new mean team total to what you have set it here in the app. So if you give them a 10 point increase, we're going to start excluding their lowest scoring games until the new mean team total is 127. So we might go from, you know, 10,000 Sims and we might get rid of, I don't know, the lowest 500. And then now you have, you know, 9,500 Sims to choose from where Denver scores higher on average across those sims so when we pull from those sims you have a better chance of denver uh scoring higher across those buckets so that is basically what is happening but this will affect the entire team and it it will you know um correlations come into account here uh every single player on the team comes into account here so a, a lot goes uh, uh this is a lot more impactful is adjusting team totals as opposed to just adjusting one individual player but really good question there uh, not one that we've covered lately and definitely worth um 
going over from time to time. Uh, Skyology said, said answer, answer to this was very helpful, both in this specific case and generally uh, with rules. Thanks. Yep. Happy to help, man. Uh, looking forward to baseball season. But all right, that is our last question in the Discord. Going to hop over to the YouTube chat now. If anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. Franklin said, what does the star in the lineup rule do? Uh, great question here. So basically what the star does is if you click this rule, I'm almost positive that on, on every next slate that happens, this rule will automatically be applied. So what we do is we carry over your rules from one classic slate to the next. So today is March 22nd. This is the main classic NBA slate here. Uh, if you have these three rules tomorrow, when you come on the app for March 23rd, you're going to open up your lineup rules tab. You're going to have all three of these rules once again, and, and they are going to be here. Uh, that way you don't have to rewrite the same rules every single day. We carry them over. But if you have, you know, this rule, um, checked for this slate, we will turn off the rule for the next slate until you come in and say, Hey, you know, I want to use this rule again today. We, we, we don't carry that part over unless you start it. If you click this star icon, we will keep this rule active for every future slate. And then another great thing is that on any classic slate that you come into the lineup rules, however many rules are active, you'll get this red number above the lineup rules. So right now it says one, in a red circle because I have one rule active. So if you, you know, come in tomorrow, you see a little number sign here, you could be like, oh yeah, you know, my my rule is active. I started yesterday. So that is what is happening uh, with, with that feature. All right, uh, next question here from Grayson. Grayson said, hey, Andrew, how do I make my NBA lineups feature a two stack with a run back for each lineup? Uh, in order to do that, what I would do is I would set a stack rule and then I would say use or I would say stack exactly two. And then I would say with at with exactly one on the opposing team here. So stack exactly two players on primary team with exactly one player on opposing team. And then I would save that rule here and it would come under stack rules. And then we'll just run a quick build here to make sure that is working properly. But I'm just going to make my two adjustments now. Uh, I, I am going to show you guys something with um, point projection adjustments and how that affects being able to generate your lineups because there is like a slight nuance with single entry versus like any multi-entry thing. So I do want to bring that up for you guys and, and give you a quick demo on that there. But Okay, we built a pool, 500 lineups here, stack types. Uh, we do have two two stacks here, which is interesting because I thought we said exactly one. So let me go in and look at this rule. Stack exactly two with exactly one on the opposing team. I'm really interested to understand why we're getting two two stacks here. Uh, let's try it one other way, and then if not, we'll move on, and I'll, I'll work on it. No, this would be just use exactly two, and then it would be an if-then rule. Okay, so uh, Grayson, I'm going to look into this rule. Not sure why it is generating uh, 
two one stack or two two stacks like for every single lineup in the pool so uh two one nba stack troubleshoot so let me uh let me dig into this offline and then i will circle back on it on at the beginning of tomorrow's show so anytime something's up i don't have an answer to a question or something i'll just circle back to it on the very next show so let me dig into that a little bit all right mike carr said would you recommend the two to eight k minimax the two dollar eight k entry minimax was looking at contests and saw this as under three dollar contest 150 max and 4500 lineups yeah i mean I will say that, you know, this is one of the sharper contests under the $3 range, mostly because it only takes about 30 players to max it out. And, you know, albeit, you know, under the $3 threshold, you know, there are plenty of sharp players uh, that still have access to those contests. And I think that you could probably find 30 sharp players. Uh, But but I, I would say that, you know, if you've played all the dime times and the quarter jukebox and, uh, you're playing the 50 cent mini max and the $1 20 max and the $4 20 max uh, and you know, the $1 single entry and, and some of these other contests and you don't have anywhere else to go other, other than, you know, a, a further above the $3 threshold, because I do want to say that we, we do think that the $4 20 max is a better use of your bankroll than playing the $2 uh, mini max. Uh, if you've already played all those contests, I would, I, I like okay, so I'll tell you guys what I do. I like to consider uh, ha- what place do I have to get to pay off my entry fees, right? So the two dollar mini max on DraftKings. I'm just gonna pull it up right here on my phone so uh, I can look at it. So it's it would be three hundred dollars to max, right? Two dollars times one hundred fifty is three hundred dollars there. And if you go to the payout structure you would need to get second place to pay off your entry fees. Third place is $200. Second place is $400. That is like not a normal outcome. That That is like, you know, really hard to do. I don't think you're going to do that very often. What I will do in this scenario is I will look at the payout for something in like the 10th to 20th place range and in this contest specifically uh 11th through 13th pays 40 dollars. so i would just enter 20 times and say you know what if i get like an 11th or through 13th uh it's very likely that i'm gonna get my entry fees back along with some other lineups that might have min cashed or got some other places along the way there in in the uh in the payout standings at least i'll probably uh be able to break even with a non-top 0.01% outcome in that case. So I I like to consider the payout structure when I'm deciding how many entries to play in these contests. But just looking at the payout structure, I think that's like probably a really tough contest to continually max out and win. Probably just like at this point in the NBA season here, uh, really late in the regular season, you know, contest sizing is going down. Um, only like really sharp players are probably still playing, uh, regularly at this point in the season. So, uh, games get a little tougher price pools get a little smaller. I would just be a little more careful with how much bankroll I am entering into these contests at this point in the season, but that that's how I do it. So just letting you guys know.
Uh, Keith, Keith, Keith gave me a heads up. No more using swap demise. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, Grayson said, thank you. No doubt. Uh, so, he said, thanks. Uh, Sojo said, oh, Keith, Keith asked the team totals. Yeah, man. Happy to help you on that one. No problem. Sojo said, what would be the best build for prop plays if I wanted to get the best props? So if you are interested in, you know, getting props from SaberSim, what I would do is I would join the, I would join the pro plan and I would do our NBA props add-on. We have this NBA props add-on available for SaberSim pro members only. So you got to be on the pro plan to have access to the props. And then if you want to add the props onto your plan, you can do that from there, but we do kind of have it behind uh, safeguarded. It really helps with, you know, lines not going stale too fast and users being able to get the lines, even if they're not, you know, the first to get it. Uh, the the bets that we post are usually pretty solid and, and users can get it for like up to like 30 minutes after, uh, after we post. And, you know, we have a set posting time and everything, but our props have been really profitable. Uh, we didn't release our prop plan until like late January. And we are just at around like hovering around 40 positive units at the moment for a solid uh, net profit return. So a lot of discussion about the prop plan in the pro channel. We do pro post one free prop every day in the pro channel to give users a little taste of what they would get, but we post up to six props a day. So if you're looking for props, uh, our system has been really good. We didn't release it until, you know, January because we were working on it and uh, dialing it in and we've been very happy with the outcome. So we do think it was a, uh, you know, a, a long anticipation, but definitely worth it. All right. Question from Daniel says when doing NHL DFS and running four to five lineups, is it still best to diversify your NHL lineups? And also, is MinUnique a good tool to use for NHL DFS? Okay, I think this is a great question. So I I am a big proponent. Uh, we You have enabled a manual rule that was built on a previous slate. Uh, okay, so that is something that you'll get for starring the rules, I think, when moving between slates here. But to, to answer your question, so there are a lot of players... Usually, I think I think today is probably like a bad example. Uh, let's go back to yesterday. It was like a big 10, 13 game slate, I believe. 13 game. So there are just, you know, hockey is like super variant. There are a lot of players, you know, throughout all the lines, throughout all the teams. Uh, ownership is, is never super high because of all the optionality and the variance. Uh, highest owned player here was 22, less than 22% here. So I do think that MiniNeeks is a great tool for diversifying your lineups. And uh, what was the second part of this question? Is it still best to diversify your NHL lineups? So yes. So I think that the less lineups you have, the more diverse you should be just because there's so many options. Uh, you don't want, you know, all your eggs in one basket. Like let's say you're playing three lineups. You don't want them all to be from Calgary, you know, have like a Calgary line one stack, like uh, mix it up, you know, I think a great example of this, what you can do is adjust the mini neeks up and see how far down in your pool you have to go. So something I like to do is like, okay, let's get to like a little bit over half of my lineup unique here of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine skaters. We have nine skaters at mini neeks five. Every single one of our top three lineups has at least five out of nine players different from one another. So 
that in and of itself tells me that, you know, SaberSim understands the variance and, and how, uh, wide the range of outcomes are for all of these skaters here. Uh, you know, this is like a right skewed, um, histogram here. Uh, what you can do is, you know, play around with the uniques, see how different it gets. But I think that, you know, that is ultimately a good way to go, but it's, it's great to see that you have such huge diversity right off the bat without you even doing anything, but yes, less lineups, more diverse, uh, for sure, especially in hockey. All right, 2G2, great. Set, is it best to leave projections alone when building lineups? Because each time I boost the studs, I I like it. It gives me average lines or low-value plays. If you do boost a player, how many points do you give them? Uh, so this is a good question. This sounds... I, I, I don't know if you mean like average lines, like average lineups, or like average lines like NHL, but I am going to talk about this from an NBA perspective. Uh, so if this is like not NBA focused, just, just let me know. But yeah. So, I mean, there, there's always a cost benefit to owning the highest owned players. You know, they, I I'm, I'm sorry, not the highest owned players, but the highest salary players, uh, you're going to have to find salary relief somewhere. Right. So a lot of times that when you are boosting, you know, these 11 K 12 K guys, uh, you're going to end up with like more stars and scrubs lineups. I think that one way to combat this is, you know, make your adjustments to the studs that you want, but then go and set some type of projection floor uh, where, where you're comfortable with. Right. So I would scroll down here and then I would just start looking at these plays where we get into like, you know, the three K range around here and then figure out where the cutoff is for you. Where are the guys that you do not want to see in your lineup? And then make the builder's life hard. Make the builder work. Make the builder think. It's like, okay, how am I going to get these guys in these lineups? That these these high salary guys are really good plays. I don't have these available cheap plays to get the salary relief. I'm going to have to be a little more uh, creative, right? So so let's say you want to set a project projection floor of like 14, maybe here. So so what I'm going to say is, you know. Uh, show players with my projection greater than 14. It looks like 2G2 great was was talking about exactly what we're talking about. Um, so, so yeah, so I would say start doing player pool curation, you know. Uh, start getting rid of these guys, run a build, and then see, you know, what other combinations the builder can create based on this metric. I think that you could do this role from, like, two different ways. Uh, do it from, like, a raw point projection adjustment rate. Uh, do it from, like, a raw point projection filter. But then you can also sort by value and then see, you know, uh, what are some of these like lower value plays that you might want to get rid of and, and make some adjustments from there. So maybe you do like a double filter, right? Maybe you do one filter that says, you know, no players less than, I think we did 14. And then you do one filter that says uh, nobody with a value less than like 3.75. And I, I'm just throwing out numbers here. Value less than point. Uh, I'm gonna say 3.76 because there was a 3.57 guy. So then, so then, boom! This is like one way to. Wait, I think I said show. Uh, show players with a value greater than 3.75. Okay, boom! And then now all these guys go away, and then you have some other guys here. So like we have some higher value guys, but their law, their their raw point projection is low, right? So so you kind of gotta 
mess around with this. I would say player pool curation is going to be your best friend here. Um, but, but try different things out, run builds, you know, spot check them, see what they look like. But ultimately, you know, getting rid of low, lower salary players is gonna make the builder lose that optionality here and have to get creative other ways to get those good players in your lineups. So I don't, I don't love the idea of setting a salary floor just because players could be really good value. Like, do you really want to get rid of David Roddy at 40% ownership at 3,200? Like you probably don't. That's why we're using point projection with a value combination. So players like David Roddy can still continue to get into your lineups, but all these other players in the same salary range who might not be as good a plays cannot. So th those are my thoughts. That is the best way that I can think of to try and approach that problem. Uh, but let me know if you have any follow-up, if anybody has any feedback or any other thoughts, always open to hearing those. All right, Keith said, got one more for you. How do you add a custom metric and have it save as a column that you can sort by? Okay, so you cannot, um, 2G too great said on the regular Saber Sim, it doesn't have that. So so 2G too great, if you're talking about the your question, um, the filters, or if, are you talking about, are you talking to Keith? Cause I'm not sure, but basically all SaberSim plans have these filters, uh, standard pro, any previous grandfathered plan has the filters. Uh, but if we are talking about Keith, Keith, what Keith is talking about is a pro exclusive feature here, which is, it sounds like you want a custom column here. So, so it wouldn't be a custom metric per se. It would be a custom column. So what you would do is you would go into this upload button and then you would upload some data, right? And then let's say you wanted to add uh, a column for like DVP. Like it's just a basketball example that I can think of off the top of my head here. What you would do is you would click this drop down, and then we go to add custom column here. And then whatever, this would say my column. You could even come in here and rename it. Uh, you know, I could, I could uh, type a DVP here. And then when I hit save, that would come up as a custom column in the home screen. What you do with custom metrics is basically you create a custom metric. You can sort by it, and then you can ultimately filter by it in the post build. So one that I like to use is I have this custom metric uh, for GeoMean here. It basically displays the GeoMean calculation of every single lineup underneath the lineup as like a summary statistic, basically created my own summary statistic here. I can sort by it, you know, high to low, low to high. I can, um, I can filter by it. I could come in and use the filter icon and then say, you know, hide lineups where geo mean is greater than 20. And there's not even, you know, anything like that, but maybe like 10 or something like that. Okay, so so I got rid of like a bunch of lineups where the geo mean was greater than ten. But but by you by getting a cut by creating a custom metric, one you'll see it underneath the lineup, and two you'll be able to filter by it. If you are looking for columns that you can sort by, that is going to be custom data, and then that is going to be from the upload screen on the home screen. And th and this upload button is how you would do that. All right, Daniel said. 
Also, by the way, you helped me with my questions for NBA DFS diversity on Monday, and I won 15K. So I wanted to thank you. I missed that show, but I'm super grateful that you do this to answer our questions. Daniel, that's awesome, dude. Really happy for you. Um, I think I saw you. You, you must have been the one who won the $4.20 max, dude. So that was a sick lineup. Really high score. Really happy that uh, you're having some success. And I always love when you know people put in the work. Uh, consume this content, ask questions, try and get better, and then go on to have success. So really happy about that. I hope the success continues for you. All right. Joe Rogan said, can I get a brief description of Geomean? You sure can. So basically what Geomean is short for uh, geometric mean. And what it is, is it is a form of product ownership. The product ownership is a, uh, uh, quote unquote, like better way of projecting how likely a lineup is to be owned in a contest compared to some ownership. I have this really good video explaining it in our, uh, support documentation here, but basically, uh, you basically, you calculate product ownership and then you calculate the geometric mean. The geometric mean is just a more tangible number that you can use in the app that makes a little more sense. If you, if you calculate the product ownership of a lineup, the number is usually like really, really small, like five decimal points. So we use geometric mean because the uh, number makes a lot more sense and is a little more intuitive to use in the app. But if you're looking for a breakdown on it, if you go to our, uh, you know, you're in SaberSim, you go to settings, you go to help here, it'll open up our support library. You go to frequently asked questions, you go down to view more. This will open up our article library. Type in geometric mean at the top. I did this four minute video with an example of some ownership versus product ownership versus geo mean um, on paper in the home screen and in the post build uh, showing you how to apply it for all the different plans, all the different ways to apply it and what the differences are. This is a four minute watch. I would highly recommend checking out this video if you're interested in learning more about geo mean, but I think it's really intuitive. I think it is a uh, great use for um, limiting uh, duplicate duplicated lineups and like showdown formats, MMA, NASCAR, etc. So uh, check out this video, quick watch, and should give you a solid breakdown of what geometric mean is. All right, uh, gonna get back to Sabersim here. And two G two great said no. I was running my question. I asked. I was take. I was talking about the lineup rules or filters you were showing when you were answering my question. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. Cause you said, you said on the regular Saber Sim, um, it doesn't have that. So, so that's what I was confused about because, uh, you should have the ability to add these filters. Like this is, this is not some like pro gated, uh, feature. You should just write under lineup rules. There should be this button. You can just, uh, filter button and then you can add as many filters as you want. So, that is not like pro exclusive. If uh, you're not like seeing it or something like that, if you guys are ever having an issue with the app, best thing to do is use the settings drop down, click report a problem, and then type a quick message. And then that will go straight to our support team. That gives us a lot of information about your session, really helps us to troubleshoot your problems faster and get you a quick response. All right. Uh, looks like a lot of love for Daniel in the chat. That was an awesome win for sure. And then uh, Joe Rogan said, thank you. I will check out this video in the breakdown uh, video for sure. Awesome. 
But uh, yeah, no, we're right about like the 47 minute mark here. Uh, great show today. Thank you everybody for tuning in live, asking questions along the way. Uh, you know, you guys really make this show uh, continue to tick here. So really appreciate when we get a lot of viewers, a lot of live questions. But if you are building lineups throughout the day here and you have questions, pops in your head, just drop it in the office hours channel. Let it sit there. I will try and get you an answer in case it's like, you know, going to help if, cause I want to get you guys answers before lock, but if anything, we will answer it on tomorrow's show. So until then, good luck in your contest, take care and I will see you all. Bye.